Welcome back, everybody, to Becoming a Critical Health Thinker. You're listening to Episode 34, Status Foods for Life. Hi, I'm Becky Campos, and I have been making my way and introducing the three concepts that assisted me in reclaiming my health from two grim diagnoses, one of which was breast cancer, stage two with a rapid dividing cell, and the philosophy of health, the attitude of health, and the strategy of health saved my life. Well, I am excited to be able to introduce the strategy of health and specifically the law of nutrition. And in episode 32 and 33, I introduced you to foods for life and processed foods are not a food group. And I began to answer the question, what should we eat? That has been my most frequent asked question I have received in the last 20 years is, Becky, what do you eat and what do you eat today? What did you eat then and what do you eat now? And so I am extremely excited to be able to uh, share with you the law of nutrition in hopes that it will do for you what it did for me. In processed foods are not a food group, I shared with you how important exiting the processed food world was in my journey to reclaiming my health. And today I want to introduce you to status foods for life. And in my journey to reclaiming my health, little did I know that removing processed foods from my pantry, fridge, and freezer was only the beginning of mastering the law of nutrition. Knowing how to maneuver my life away from home and to live in accordance with the law of nutrition required, I think, critically about my entire lifestyle, not just my life at home. And it wasn't very long before I began to see that mastering lifestyle medicine was going to permeate every area of my life in one way or another. And let me count the ways I like to say, call after making all of the drastic first changes to my food supply and my lifestyle in those early days, being invited to attend a luncheon at a popular restaurant and totally being unprepared for it and had to refrain from eating other than a small bowl of vegetables, steamed vegetables and a small salad and some water because there literally wasn't anything on the menu I could consume. Now remember 20 years ago, not many restaurants provided any healthy alternatives. I felt the awkwardness in the air as those around me kindly kept prompting me to order more food. I felt like a huge Debbie Downer, but I was in the middle of reversing a grim diagnosis and every choice I made mattered to me. And so I really had no idea what I was doing, but this I did know that I had to master the law of nutrition and I had to overcome emotions such as self-pity and sadness. I had countless of these moments those early days that reminded me of how much my life had changed. 
So here I want to say that exiting my unhealthy lifestyle required I think critically about how to best engage with the world around me, my relationships, friendships, obligations, duties, church service, and traveling. There were countless of scenarios I had to maneuver through. It was a landmine out there, and with it came countless of occasions to feel discouraged and have to explain the work that I was trying to do to others. Needless to say, I had to become a critical health thinker to survive those early days. And one of the things I learned, a great lesson I learned then, was that I needed to continue to master this information in whatever scenario I found myself in, rather than just collapsing underneath the pressures of whatever might occur. Whether I had to travel, or I was attending an event, or an invitation to a friend's home, I couldn't just exit life. I was exiting the unhealthy lifestyle I had lived, but I wasn't exiting life itself. I still had to function under all of the changes in my life and still do life. So these experiences prompted me to dig deeper and think more critically on how to master lifestyle medicine. And so I found defining, describing, categorizing, and learning how to properly and responsibly respond to the details in the law of nutrition was a very good thing. So the following information made such a difference in my journey to reclaiming my health, and it is my hope that it will do for you what it did for me. So when we think of the meaning of status, we should think of a relative standing, a position, it implies a position of prestige, prominence, importance, and significance. And when we add that to thinking about our foods and how we relate to them, it makes all the difference in the world. Status foods can be defined as foods consumed in connection with emotional, social, familial, and celebratory events and expectations. Status foods are marketed as more important, more enjoyable, more fun, more convenient, and even more nutritious than other foods. And Americans have a love affair with status foods. I know I did, and I still do. Now that's my own definition. I put it together years ago when I was trying to make my way through uh, this particular part of uh, the law of nutrition and making sure that I uh, exited all of the unhealthy foods, not just in my pantry, freezer, and fridge, but out in my lifestyle, in the community, and so forth. So let's take a close and personal look at the four categories of status foods I mentioned in this definition, emotional, social, familial, and celebratory, and the strong and powerful expectations they are connected to. Well, first, emotional status foods. These are known as comfort foods. Comfort foods can be described as consoling, soothing, calming, even relieving and uplifting foods in so many ways. We turn to them when we experience both negative and positive emotions. And that isn't always a bad 
thing. Who hasn't needed their favorite food when stressed, worried, anxious, overwhelmed, sad, or mad? Comfort foods, comfort. And they usually are convenient, quick, and pleasurable, sugary, salty, and fatty. Unless you already exited the processed food world, comfort foods are usually, guess what, processed foods. They are convenient, quick, and pleasurable. And I would argue that they are needed in life. So you might be surprised to hear me say this. I'm not against comfort and pleasurable foods, but what I am most concerned with, as always, is that they be consumed properly and responsibly. Consuming them responsibly is so easy when you master the law of nutrition. I exchanged my unhealthy, dangerous, processed, comfort status foods like a large bowl of ice cream topped with chocolate syrup, loaded with man-made sugars for structure to my being, healthy comfort foods like a delicious carrot muffin, or with a cinnamon latte I made myself, or chips and homemade salsa, or a spinach dip, or agave roasted almonds and pecans, or I love to make a whole wheat French toast, pan-seared, topped with a light butter and stevia. I can eat these any time of the day if I keep some frozen. I can eat mashed potatoes with roasted chicken and green beans if I need simply just some warm comfort food. I discovered that comfort foods are part of our wonderful American culture and that I didn't have to part with them altogether, but that I simply had to replace my highly processed comfort foods with well thought out snacks and dishes that I could consume during those days when I just need a moment, right? You just need a moment with your favorite food. The standard American status comfort foods like conventional ice cream, high sugar desserts and candies, beverages, bags of artificial flavored potato chips are usually deemed more comforting and certainly more pleasurable than my carob muffin. But that only holds true because one must master the law of nutrition, water, cleansing and fasting in order to mature the taste, appetite, and palate. So removing processed foods and replacing them with whole foods structured to your being is just one of many things that must be in place before a carrot muffin fruit bowl or berry smoothie will satisfy, comfort, and be as or more pleasurable than any processed status food could ever do or be and without interrupting your body's self-healing, self-cleansing, and self-rejuvenating capabilities. Status comfort foods are a real threat, my friend, to mastering the law of nutrition because life often takes a turn and a buttery yam or a bowl of pinto beans is probably not what most Americans imagine when they are looking for a little comfort from their foods. But no worries, mastering the law of nutrition will not disappoint. There are plenty of pleasurable and comforting foods for you to enjoy. 
Well, next, social status foods for life, and they can be described as more fun and more convenient. And uh, as I was going through these uh, status foods back in the day and categorize them, I was simply categorizing my own life because this is exactly how I did life. Status foods are very social foods. And I remember back in those early days when I thought I could take a batch of my vegetable soup to a potluck and watch people pass it by for the hoagie sandwiches, which by the way, were processed into oblivion. It was as though I had to explain what was in it as though vegetables were foreign ingredients of some kind before someone would try it. And it wasn't that it wasn't delicious or appetizing. It was that as long as there was a more fun, more convenient, more well-known and more beloved processed food sitting next to it, the hoagie was going to win. But I'm a smart girl and the next time I attended a gathering of some kind where I had to bring a dish to share, I was ready. I brought my apple salad or my orzo pasta, my spinach dip with loads of corn chips, my salsa or blueberry muffins and watched them be devoured. Social gatherings are not usually prone to attracting yams, lentils, beans, brown rice, vegetables, and whole wheat pasta dishes, unless the gathering is a gathering of critical health thinkers who know how to create delicious dishes to share with others. Most likely, the food served at church, school, sports, women's and all things social events are rich in processed cakes, desserts, casseroles, sandwiches, chips and dips, and sodas and teas. If it is a barbecue social, you're attending grilled hamburgers, hot dogs, steak, and chicken will be the main course, and all kinds of side dishes and desserts will follow. So as you can see, status foods are social foods. Foods that say, guess what? We are having fun. We are enjoying ourselves and we are great hosts and hostesses. So you can only imagine those early days pressed me to create healthy status social foods I could share with my family and friends because social foods and gatherings are very near and dear to my heart. Hospitality and entertaining are a very big part of our lives. And so finding foods that I could consume and share and enjoy with others was very important to me. And I also wanted to introduce healthy whole foods structured to our being to my social world around me. Mastering, consuming, Social foods properly and responsibly made all the difference in the world in my personal pursuit of reclaiming my health from two grim diagnoses. Well, the next status food that I'd like to describe and categorize is 
familial status foods. Oh my, this is one of my very favorite as well. These are foods that are more warm, more inviting. This is how I describe them, more memorable, more traditional, more togetherness, I think. They bring more togetherness and every family has its own culture and their own food culture as well. These foods originate from our parents' and grandparents' backgrounds all which are passed down in our early childhood days, day after day, recipe after recipe, during family and holiday events, and much of our comfort foods and social foods are connected to our familial foods we have come to love and share. Familial foods are warm and inviting, memorable, traditional, and guess what? powerful. The best of them are kept forever in our hearts and minds. My mother made the best enchiladas, gorditas, and Spanish rice, and wok, Sunday roasts mothered in onions and drippings, stews, and tamales, and her jello salad and coffee cake are embedded deep within my soul. Perfect roasted turkey with all the trimmings at Thanksgiving and Christmas. New Year's glazed ham with pineapple and cherries and chocolate cake. And Mexican sweetbread are just as part of me as the color of my eyes. And it isn't just our traditional foods that we love. We love the way they make us feel. It is a flavor of home, I like to say, and childhood that make these foods familial. They are endeared to us so much so that it is only natural to pass them on to the next generation. For us, familial foods are a means to togetherness and to serving each other. Traditionally, when we and our children and their families get together, food is extremely central. When we arrive to any family event, whether a simple family night or holiday event, you can bet that a menu coordination has taken place behind the scenes between my daughters and I. Making sure our traditional favorite foods arrive at our family events is a family affair. And our entrance to any of our occasions are rarely empty-handed. My mother not only passed down her delicious recipes, she also modeled servanthood. Preparing, sharing, setting up and cleaning up together for every family event is our natural bent. We are usually a bundle of loudness as we busily set the stage for togetherness and there is no greater sense of wellness as we enjoy each other's foods and homes and doing life together. And just like we don't arrive empty-handed, we also never leave empty-handed. And when all is said and done, traditionally, we divide and share the remaining foods among ourselves and take them home to enjoy. No one leaves without some of their favorite familial foods. Come over for a movie night, we're keeping it simple, is only a saying that is rarely a reality. You can be sure that there will be something for everyone to enjoy. We arrive at each other's homes. There's a lot of hustle and bustle and greeting and loudness 
And when we leave each other's homes or each other's events, there's a lot of hustle and bustle as we part and say goodbye and a lot of loudness again, as though we hadn't seen each other in a year. And this is us. This is our family culture and this is our Hispanic American life. Each family has their own particular culture and traditions that extends to their food. And these are powerful familial patterns that remain with us for all of our lives. Every food you have ever tasted, my friend, enjoyed, was raised on and even disliked or hated during your early years and into your adult life is embedded in your memory. When I return to my hometown of El Paso, Texas, I look forward to enjoying the rich Mexican foods and especially my favorite Mexican sweet bread. There is nothing more familial to me than to be home amongst my siblings and enjoying catching up with our lives while we share in the foods we grew up with. And guess what? They are a carbon copy of me. My brothers and my sister all actually have the same exact familial ways and patterns of foods and greetings and loudness and enjoyment and togetherness. And so growing up as a Hispanic American, I had the best of both worlds with all our traditional Hispanic and traditional American foods as well. You can imagine how difficult it was for my mother and my family when I had to abstain from consuming my traditional foods to master the law of nutrition. Little did I know that all the early sacrifices I made in those early days and years to master lifestyle medicine would be returned to me a hundredfold in ways I wouldn't have imagined. And so as we think of how these familial foods shape how we relate to food for the rest of our lives, it is easy to see how they can also shape our health care in ways we had not thought about. But guess what I discovered? I discovered that you don't have to get rid of or remove your familial uh, status foods, those that you grew up with, those that are beloved to you. You just have to make them better. And that's what I found out is that I could consume enchiladas and I could make them better. I could make my own sauce. I could consume two or one instead of four. I could consume a 10 ingredient salad with them. I could make a Spanish rice made with brown rice and organic tomato sauce and uh, some garlic and onion rather than uh, Spanish rice made with white rice and so forth and so on. And so I quickly, uh, I'm a smart girl, I started to see that what I really needed to do was revise what I knew. And, uh, and I didn't have to change everything about my food supply or my recipes. I just had to know how to exchange the ingredients for better ingredients, whole food ingredients, and then properly consume them in proper ratios and uh, in order. There's a lot of order to eating, little did I know. And so I'll be sharing um, 
that particular concept in another podcast, but I uh, really believe that part of my um, recovery and reclaiming my health had to do with the way that I consumed my foods ordering the foods structured to your being so that you're not consuming them haphazardly here and there and everywhere, but you rather have a plan and a protocol that you're consistent in. And it's very easy to do. And we'll talk more about that in a future podcast. For now, it is a good thing to take your recipes that you already love, your beloved familial foods and rethink them and then uh, restructure them and make sure that they are made from whole foods, structured to your being, and that you are able to prepare them wisely and um, then consume them properly. And so it is my hope that your familial foods will become just like mine, just absolutely better and you will not be disappointed. The fourth and final status food I want to introduce you to is celebratory foods. And I consider these foods to be more beautiful, more decorative, and more fashionable. Celebratory foods are the spice of life. They help us to celebrate life's journey, milestones, graduations, weddings, babies, holidays, personal achievements, and all things life. And they are so needed. They make us feel loved, appreciated, and celebrated. They are wedding cakes, graduation cookies, baby shower teas, birthday lunches, congratulations candy, 4th of July pie, and ice cream, and Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner with all the trimmings, and special ways we treat our children and grandchildren when their team wins or when they don't with cookies, candies, and sport drinks. There are 13 American holidays or national days we celebrate as a nation, and these are not counting our personal family and personal events. So as you can see, there are countless of opportunities to consume grand amounts of celebratory foods throughout the year. New Year's Day, the Super Bowl, Valentine's Day, Easter, Mother's Day, Memorial Day, Father's Day, July 4th, Labor Day, Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's Eve. All of these calendar events are perfect for celebratory foods. If I had not mastered the law of nutrition, any of these celebrations would have surely interfered with reversing my two grim diagnoses. There are plenty of occasions to throw us off from mastering the law of nutrition, and I am saying plenty. Now add emotional, social, familial, and now celebratory opportunities to consume status foods in quantities that without the knowledge to master lifestyle medicine and the laws of health, we are left in a position of weakness and prone to the diseases of affluence. I will talk more about this in future podcasts.
As you can see, celebratory foods help us celebrate life and celebrate each other, and I, for one, need them. Humans have been created with a great capacity to celebrate the goodness of life, and we could do it better. Well, we have arrived at this podcast's critical health thinking skill and application. And I have three today, and I hope that you find them helpful. Well, first, convert your standard American status, emotional, social, familial, and celebratory foods and recipes into foods and recipes structured too your being. And I remember when I first started, I purchased a ton of vegetarian and vegan cookbooks and uh, made my way through them and got stuck because often as wonderful as they were, they were unsustainable with different kinds of ingredients that I couldn't get or I didn't know how to use and I needed to learn things quickly. And so I collected them, but I didn't use them as much as I thought that I was going to. And then I decided that what would be the best thing for me is to simply take my cookbooks and my recipes and the foods I had grown up with and convert them to the foods that I needed to consume and use uh, ingredients that were structured to my being and just simply make them better. And then using a calendar Take note of the next month's activities, and I can't tell you how helpful this was to me. I just simply looked ahead for the next month to see how many activities I was attending, where I was going, and so forth, and I made a plan on how I would maneuver through them without exiting living in accordance with the law of nutrition. So times that I failed at it, but I just kept getting better and better. And so it's very helpful to project ahead. And uh, here in September, I'm going to have two birthdays that I want to attend, and then uh, I will be traveling and then there's a um, potluck that I attend once a month. And so you see, I need to be on my game, but it isn't anything for me these days. I mean, I've been doing this for 20 years and I mastered it a whole lot of years ago. And so today I simply enjoy myself. And so there's not a whole lot that uh, throws me off. And uh, in fact, I am so thankful that I am able to attend anything and everything that I want to attend and be prepared for it. And then third, create three healthy structure to your being dishes you can take to any event, social, familial, or celebratory so that you are well prepared when need be. And this is extremely helpful because I have three dishes. Now I have more than that, but I fall back on these three dishes and I can take them if I receive an invitation to somewhere that I need to share a meal with a group of people, then I know what I'm going to take. It's not going to be a new creation, a new recipe. It's just going to be my apple salad or 
my spinach dip and so forth because you see those I've mastered there's no need for me to get all um, anxious about what I'm going to do and what I'm going to bring I just need to have the ingredients for these particular dishes and so they're easy to make they keep well they transfer well and they're beautiful and my friends and family love them so create three healthy structure to your being dishes that you can then fall back on well lifestyle medicine is a beautiful lifestyle and often it is portrayed as difficult or unachievable but that couldn't be further from the truth and so i hope that these podcasts are assisting you in um, mastering the law of nutrition and that you join me for episode 35 as I introduce you to raw foods for life. And as always, it is my hope that after all your listening, you will experience how simple health really is.